So we are in week three of a four-week series we're calling Hope 3.0, Past, Present, and Next. And really it's a series about the nature of the Church of Jesus Christ, but we're specifically looking at Hope Church as we are moving toward the celebration next week of our 30th anniversary as a church together. 30 years. It's crazy. It's, it's a long time, right? Uh, and when you think about the changes that have taken place, not just in the church, but in our culture over yeah. 30 years. Right. Do you remember your amazing. first cell phone? Probably around oh, 30 yeah. years ago. Wait, we were transitioning from pagers. Remember pagers? Of course. To of course. cell phones. And, and you remember what everybody said when they first got their first cell phone? Everybody said, I'm only going to use it in an emergency. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. We did say that. That's right. But we only had like 30 minutes of uh, t- time we were allowed to. So yeah, 30 years ago, I remember our TVs back then, so they were big, massive, massive, heavy, square televisions, right? And we Uh. would go to, on Friday nights, I know you and I both talked about this with our kids, on Friday nights, we would go to Blockbuster, Blockbuster, right? Remember going to Blockbuster and the, (laughs) the wall of videos that used to be cassettes? And then turned in the DVDs, DVDs right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you're too young to remember, Blockbuster was a brick-and-mortar store where you would go inside the store and you would rent cassettes or DVDs later. And they, they actually came into existence about the same time that Netflix did, surprisingly. And Netflix used to mail you a cassette or a DVD. And they had very similar businesses. But yet somehow Netflix has continued to expand while Blockbuster is really no longer in existence. And and so there's this one interesting subtle thing that really I think led to the difference is that Netflix and Blockbuster both began in the 90s with a similar idea of renting videos. But Blockbuster thought that they were in the video rental business. And so the idea was go into their store, rent a video. And in 2004, they peaked. Uh, thousands of stores around the country, and, and I think even around the world, but certainly around the country. Netflix was doing the same thing. They were mailing videos home to people, but they understood that they were in the home entertainment business. So in 2004, when Blockbuster was at its peak, Netflix began to see a need to transition. And in 2007, Netflix transitioned to a streaming service because they knew they weren't about renting videos, they were about entertaining, about home entertainment. And Netflix never forgot its core business, and they were willing to change to stay within their core business, while Blockbuster did fail. When a company forgets its core business, it's not going to be around for very long. What's true for companies and organizations is true for the church. When the church loses sight of its core business, it's not going to be around for very long. So what is the core focus, the core business, if you will, of the church? The core business for the church is to make disciples. Remember in uh, Matthew, the 28th verse or chapter, Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and I'll be with you to the end of the age. We are in the business of making disciples. And here at Hope, as we've tried to condense down what is a disciple, because there are volumes and volumes that have been written about what it means to be a disciple. And so just to help people kind of get their heads wrapped around it, uh, we have landed on this simple phrase about what a disciple is. A disciple, we say, is a man or woman, a boy or girl, who is in the process of being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ for the sake of others, that we are in this 
process of becoming more and more like Jesus, and we're growing in that. It, it is a process, and that process is going to look different for every person. Yeah, it looks different for, for each of us, and, and one of the other ways are the ways that we think that we are in this transformation or this conformation conforming process is what we call the connections, which we talked about last week, right? And, uh, uh, you know, it's connecting people to God through a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. It's connecting people to each other in authentic Christian community, and it's connecting the church to the world to be salt and light. And so we're going to spend a few minutes looking at each one of these just real briefly. And so the first, uh, connecting, uh, growing in relationship with Jesus Christ, right? Connecting people to God through a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. As Jeff already said, that's our core business. Our core, it's all about a relationship with Jesus. We believe above all other things that a relationship with Jesus has a profound, the most profound impact on a human life. And Paul offers some instructions about that relationship, and it's going to be up on the screen. It's from Colossians chapter 2, and Paul said this. He says, and now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him, and your lives be built up on him. Then your faith, he says, will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. And so Paul tells the, the church, uh, uh, and he tells us that there's this process for growing that, that we've already been talking about. That, that there's, the first step is this accepting of Jesus as your Lord. This understanding that Jesus loves you. That he, he not just loves the world, Jesus loves you as an individual. And no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, God loves you and Jesus wants to forgive you. And then as we continue to follow him, Paul says, because God loves us so much that he doesn't want us to stay. He'll love us as we are, but he doesn't want us to stay that way. And, and for me, that's a reminder of uh, the story of, of Matthew, the tax collector, that Jesus saw him collecting taxes and he challenged him and said, Matthew, come and follow me. And Matthew got up and follow Jesus. And so we accept Jesus as our Lord. We continue to follow him. And then we grow down into him as our faith is deepened. And Paul goes on and talks about that. We live our lives and that we are built up in him. And we begin to see fruit happen in our lives. We begin to see love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. And, and, and all these things take place in our lives. But it's so important to remember that spiritual growth will look different for every person. Absolutely. So then uh, the second connection, connecting people to each other um, in authentic Christian community. Connecting people to each other in authentic Christian community. So Jesus established his church with the mandate that we were going to make disciples, that we're going to grow in our relationship with him as individuals, and together, we're going to encourage and support and inspire each other um, into discipleship. So it's a team sport, as right, we yeah. say here mm -hmm. at Hope Church. And we see this unfolding at the very beginning of the existence of the church. In Acts chapter 2, it's one of my favorite verses in Scripture. It's the end of Acts 2, 42 to the end of the chapter, is a description of the church as this dis disciple-making place. And uh, so I'd encourage you to read that on your own. I want to read just a little bit of uh, some sections of that um, to just get a glimpse of how the church was about making disciples with each other. So it says this, all the believers 
devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. All of the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had in common. All the, all the while, praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And so what we see here is the church living into its core, making disciples. They're each one, they're growing in their faith, they're encouraging each other in their faith development, and a healthy, thriving church is influencing the community around them, and people are being drawn to it, and they then are becoming disciples. And so we have this place, this, this church, where disciples yeah. make disciples who make disciples. Yeah, and those disciples who are making disciples and making disciples began to impact the world, which leads to our third connection that we talk about, which is... Connecting the church to the world to be salt and light. Connecting the world or disciples to the world to be salt and light. Now Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5. He said, you are the salt of the earth. And then he also said to his followers, you are the light of the world. These two simple illustrations. I mean, salt is salt and salt salts. It doesn't <laughs> exist for any other purpose. It's quite simply this. Salt influences by being salt. And it's this most common element found all over the world. It's as if Jesus is saying that disciples living as salt is simply living life and influencing the world around them. So how we file our taxes and how we live our lives at work and how we choose to live through a pandemic influences and has an influence on the people around us. Jesus said we're salt, and he said to his followers, you're salt and light. Now, light exists for one purpose also, to light up darkness. I mean, light points and light highlights. I mean, you put a flashlight in a dark room, and it points and highlights to a space that's no longer dark. Real simple illustrations, right? But both salt and light have an impact outside of itself. Salt impacts food while light impacts darkness. So salt is an influence while light is a guide or a beacon. So it's as if Jesus is telling his followers and he's telling us that our responsibility to be salt and light in the world is that our influence and our guidance in this world will never really be fully known until heaven. That we just live life as salt and light and the world will be changed because of it. I mean, I, Jeff, I imagine it this way that, that when we get to heaven, there's going to be a lot of stories that get to be told. And as those stories are tell, told, I believe we're going to be uh, fascinated over overwhelmed and just just impacted by how much our lives impacted the lives of people around us give me chills <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so at its core the church is a spiritual enterprise mm. at its core mm. it is a spiritual enterprise it at its core it's not a school you know where people come and learn about christianity at its core, it's, it's not a social service where people come to get their physical needs met. 
It's certainly not a political organization, and it is not a club for members only. Right. That's not what the church is about. Yeah, and while all those things are important, yeah. it's not that physical doesn't matter. I mean, building resources and financial resources are important. Even how we do ministry, things like our tree lighting or even our food pantry, those are all physical things, and they are very important. Important, though, as it supports the spiritual. Right. So over time and, and because of different cultural conditions, the physical changes, right? So here we are, this is, this is how we do church now because that's led to this, right? The, the yeah. pandemic has led to this change. So buildings need to be painted because things just happen. Ministries change to meet needs. The danger or the challenge then is when the physical begins to take priority over the spiritual. That's right. So if 30 years from now... 2050, right? <laughs> Hope Church had a thriving food pantry known around the region uh, as a great food pantry, and our building was in beautiful repair. Everything looked spectacular, mm. and our praise bands were playing whatever is contemporary in 2050 <laughs> and just killing it, you know, sounding awesome and so forth. We had all of that going on, but we're not making disciples. Yeah. We would become blockbuster church, mm. right? We would have lost our sense of our core, why we exist, and we would be declining. Even if in a moment it looks like we're thriving, which it did for blockbuster up to a point, but in fact, we would be on the road to decline mm. and would cease to exist as we should if we forget what we're about. So growing in your faith in Christ, you becoming a growing disciple of Christ is your responsibility. That's what you need to be focused on. And as you're doing that, you're going to be influencing those around. Right. And it is our core business. And so it really leads to the question, what is your next step? What is my next step? Because we are spiritual beings. And yeah. so for, for some of us, maybe it's, it's this understanding that Jesus needs to be Lord of your life. You've maybe never made that decision. You've never taken that step. And it's simply asking Jesus to forgive your past and to lead your future. Or maybe it means taking the next step to follow Jesus. And maybe it, it means to connect into a community or joining a small group because we believe we grow best together. And it's taking that next step of faith so that we can grow in our relationship with Jesus. Or maybe it's about joining a team. And, and uh, you know, I was reminded, Jeff, that when... Um, about 30 years ago, a few years after that, before that, longer than that, 32 years ago, I was in my first summer internship, and I was working at a church, and at the end of that internship, I had gone in to do a youth ministry there, and, and there was no youth ministry team, and at the end, I created a team of four or five people, and uh, when, when I met with the pastor for my debrief, one of his, uh, and it seemed, the way he said it was a criticism, is he said, Rick, you're really good at getting other people to do your job. <laughs> and I, I kind of felt that was kind of an indictment at first of, of well, I thought that was what I was supposed to do yeah. as a pastor. And, uh, but then I realized that that was positive because I, I take no shame in inviting people to join a team. To, because I, I feel that people, when they do that, they, they spend time working on the physical, right? But they're growing themselves as well. We're growing Absolutely. the church. We're go, growing ourselves as we grow the body of Christ. And it's just an exciting, it's exciting to see people take that next step in faith. 
Yeah, Philipp, or, uh, Ephesians tells us our job is to yeah. equip the saints for service, right? Right, exactly. So good on you, even <laughs> as a kid. <laughs> yeah, so that's the next step for you in your own faith. What's the next step for us as a community of faith, as Hope Church? What's right. our next step? And the simple answer to that, I guess, or the most basic answer to that, the truest answer to that, perhaps, is that our next step is to continue to listen for the guidance of the Holy Spirit mm. and go where the Spirit is leading us to go. You know, it's been my passion for the last 30 years to do just that, to be carefully listening to, uh, for and, and looking for the leading of the Holy Spirit um, in my role as lead pastor and to try and then give voice to that and lead the congregation in those ways. And so we'll continue to do that for as long as we continue to be a church until Christ returns. Mm -hmm. I, I hope and pray that that's always going to be the case here. But, you know, we're living in a particular time and in a particular context and in a particular culture. And so I think there are things that we as a church are doing and need to continue to do and get better at doing, given the culture and the division and the anger and the frustrations um, that are clear across, across our land. And as I've been thinking about that, I came across something that was written by a, a, a current Christian leader, uh, three things that, that he pointed to that the church should be about these days, and I think they're, they're instructive for us as well. So I want to share those with you really quickly. The first thing is that in a canceled culture, we need a confessing church. Mm -hmm. In a canceled culture, we need a confessing church. In other words, rather than pointing fingers and yelling at and, and pointing out people's faults and failures and, and so forth, that, that the church should be known as a an organization, a group of people that understand that we all fall short, that we all miss the mark, that we're all sinful, and that we are confessing those places in our own lives rather than accusing others uh, and pointing out their faults and their failures. So this idea of a confessing church over a cancel culture. The second is that in a divided uh, a divided nation needs a united church. A divided nation needs a united church. Mm -hmm. That God's dream community, as I love to call it, can show the way to a broken culture, to a divided culture, that we can unify around what is core, the things that we share in common, the things that we believe in together, that those things that unite us are what's most important, and the things that divide us, we can work our way through in ways that are less destructive and uh, less pulling ourselves apart. We can work through these things together, and a united church can show the world a way to that. Yeah. So then the, the third was an exhausted culture needs an alternative, not an echo. An exhausted culture needs an alternative and not an echo. In other words, the church shouldn't sound like what the culture around us mm -hmm. sounds like. When we do, mm -hmm. then the, the world has a right to say that it's just one more organization, one more thing that's saying the same thing that everybody else is mm -hmm. saying. We need to offer an alternative 
in that way for people who are exhausted. We are different. We serve Christ. Pastor Steve in his prayer talked about or prayed, you know, that Jesus said, peace, my peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and you will find rest for your soul. And so an exhausted culture needs an alternative like that, an alternative voice like that, where people are invited in and, uh, and not just hearing what the, what the rest of the culture is already saying. Whatever the future looks like for this church, whether the future is next week or 30 years from now, one thing will not change. We will be in the business of making disciples who make disciples who make disciples for the sake of others. That's true for us. I pray that's true for you. All of us have a part in this vision called the church and in this vision that we call hope. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks that in the midst of life, with all of its complexities, with all of its difficulties, with all of its heartaches and challenges, that you call us to a higher calling, that you call us to look around and to see not brokenness but you call us to see beauty that you call us to look at others as your beloved sons and daughters and to invite them to become part of a process of conforming to the perfect one Jesus and to do that in a way that will be a blessing to others. Lord, I pray that that would be true for my life. I pray that that would be true for our community of faith here in Voorhees. And I pray that it would be true of your church universal. I pray these things in your name, Jesus, and for your kingdom's sake. Amen. Amen. Hey, have a great week.